Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. I shared with us before, but Andy sings the way that I think I think I do in the car. So it's nice to hear it, you know, for real, instead of as I sound like I'm having a episode in my car or screaming, having folks next to me just giving me that weird look. I'm like, well, I'm trying here. I'm trying. Uh, glad to be here today as what was shared before. I'm Brian and uh, just have um, privilege to share today. I spent about nine and a half years or so on church staff. So like my vocation was within uh, a church and now my vocation is outside of the church, but I haven't left ministry. It's interesting how many times I've been asked, well, since you've left, what's changed? I'm like, my pay, my paycheck has changed, but nothing else has changed in regards of what we're called to do, which was to be Christ wherever we find ourselves. And the truth is, is that ministry is whoever is in front of you. It's not a platform. It's not a position. It's not a placement. And if it is, then we are in trouble because not everyone can do that. So um, that's just a bit about me. I also have to forewarn, forewarn you all, um, for a, lo- lo- a long time, a majority of my life, I've had an issue with my speech. So um, sometimes it's hard for me to say words um, or to read words. Um, but I want to just assure you all that I'm not having a stroke. I am okay. I am not scared. I mean, I am some, but not <laughs> mainly that. Um, but, you know, it kind of goes back to that idea that the Lord will choose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. I am the least of those that should be allowed to speak um, because, I mean, I'm fluent now a bit, but back in the day, it was about 95% of the words I would attempt to say I could not say as fluently as I should. So with the Lord's grace and a lot of work, I've been able to flip that mostly, um, but like I like to share with folks, sometimes it comes out to play. So do not be alarmed, and I appreciate your grace and patience within that. Um, and we'll see. First was rough, so we'll see about second, at least rough for me. Um, I critique a bit too much. But um, if you've ever watched the King's Speech, that's kind of the story of my life, subtract the fact I'm not a king. Um, but, but that is a great film. If you ever did want to get an idea of kind of the backstory of kind of how it feels for someone to, de- to, de- to deal with that. Um, also, uh, I'm, don't judge me. The, there are some words used in that film that I cannot say from this stage. Um, but again, it's a film, so it's not one that I made, so do not judge me um, that I recommended that. But today, we are going to park in the book of Galatians. I understand you all have been going through John and Nathan, who I've had a chance to know over the last four years. Um, actually, one thing I really love and appreciate about him, um, I met him at one of the most low parts of my life, um, and as I was sharing with him, just Where I was at, there was not a single hint of judgment from him. And I remember that just stood out to me to meet with a pastor at the time as one on staff somewhere else. 
and able just to share exactly where I was at and just received grace and love. And so I'm thankful to have a chance to uh, fill in today. And as we go through the book of Galatians, I want to just kind of set the stage and kind of explain a bit of what was occurring. So Paul, as we know, wrote a majority of the New Testament. Paul was an apostle, which means that he would go around to different parts and he would plant a church put people in charge of the church, and then he would leave and go to the next place. And what Paul would do is he would try to come back and see them, and oftentimes he could, but sometimes, example, in jail, um, he would have to write to them, and we get some insight here onto what is going on in a local church. So today we're going to look at Galatians. You can look at Ephesians or Colossians. Those are actual people and places and churches that Paul was a part of, and he's having to write to them about issues that is facing that church. Now, I must share, if it's an issue being addressed by the church then, it is an issue that will be faced by the church today at some point. Um, it may not look the exact same. An example that we will go to is probably not a highly debated issue within the church today. I'll give you a hint. It deals with uh, being circumcised or not. I don't see that being a major debate within the church now. But at the time, it was a massive debate, and it was creating a lot of stress amongst this church, specifically in Galatia. So Paul begins to write to them, and he begins to share with them his concern. And I want to be upfront with you. Paul is upset. He's not happy. This isn't a you all are doing great. This is a bit more of a what in the world is occurring, and I'm going to come down there as fast as I can. I'm going to smack a few of you around, lay some hands, praying first, well, after the first laying on of hands, and then he'll pray. Um, and Paul was very upset. So we'll pick up in, cha in chapter 1, verse 6. And Paul starts with this. He goes, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who, call, who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And evidently, some are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And Paul writes, but even if we or an angel from, he from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, and now say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a, go a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Fun fact, these pe people would have known who he was talking about. He said, these folks are wrong. They're preaching to you something that's not the gospel at all, and God will judge them. And what happens is, is we often think of like everything written in the New Testament or in God's word as a whole is just always upbeat and always good. But there was real issues occurring that was impacting how folks perceived Christ, and this really bothered Paul. And N.T. Wright, who is a Christian thinker and a professor, at least he was at one point. I watched a thing of him, and he shared this in a proper English accent. I have been forbidden by my wife to attempt said English accent, but he said, Paul is white hot when he writes this. And I really want to try it, but again, the head shake, no. Paul, 
is white hot when he pre-reaches this or when he writes this. He's very upset. But I want to be clear, his anger and him being upset is coming out of a heart of love. It's not out of a how dare you. He's concerned for the sheep. And he's upset that there are shepherds that have come in and are starting to weigh these people down with religious obligation and weight. And he was very upset at what was being shared. And as I began to prepare the Bible I used the most had kind of a really great intro, and I don't think it's appropriate for me to steal without giving credit to who wrote the next few words. So I have a few quotes from a guy that I really like, um, and so I'm going to read a bit more today because I just, I didn't feel right. Like, I can't preach and steal at the same time. Um, but Dr. Baker shared that the Galatians were in, da- in danger of ingesting a toxic mix of self-help outward religious observance and lies about God. And this was the first in a long line of different gospels that continue even to now to raise their ugly heads. And so essentially what was occurring, just kind of an overarching view, in Galatia, Paul spent time, built the church and left, received word that people came into the church telling them you have to add to the gospel of Christ by obeying the law. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. And so in faith, through his grace, we receive salvation. That's it. We don't have to add to that. Now, of course, we're called to be free. There are still rules that we still have and principles, and we'll get to that here in a second because it can be summed up in a sentence. But these people were coming in to the Galatian church saying specifically to men, women, no offense here, but you get a pass, to the men, hey, you might be grown, but in order for you to follow Christ, you need to be circumcised which is a painful thing to bring up, and also just one that was beginning to create a divide within this church. It was adding to the gospel of Christ and throwing people into a mindset of being confused. Well, I thought Christ did this. I thought we were free, but we got to do this. And then where does it stop? Can I not eat shrimp now? Because I was really pumped up to eat shrimp. And the Old Testament says I can't eat shrimp or tattoos or fill in the blank of a wide array of things. And what Paul began to say is that these people are coming in here. They are, are sharing with you a gospel that is really not true. And it's taking you away from the core of what Jesus died for and what we are to believe. And if we skip ahead to chapter 3, verse 3, Uh, It says, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit through salvation, accepting by faith God's grace given to us? Are you now trying to finish it or finish your faith by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it was really in vain? So again, I asked, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? or by your believing what you heard. Paul begins to to share and say, hey, look, what began by faith, you need to keep it on in faith. You don't take the faith and then finish by flesh and just works and just trying and doing all in an attempt to please God. 
Again, Dr. Baker shares, I just love how simply he says this. He goes, the Galatians started in grace by the Spirit, but then turned back to performing for God. And this is a common detour in spiritual formation. Having been forgiven, given the Spirit, and baptized into Christ, we think we are now capable of living this life by our own independent effort. We lose the center. We deny the gospel and nullify the grace of God. And as a result, spiritual formation is arrested or it stops. It's stunted because we go from a means of walking out our faith by faith to I'm going to live this out by my own actions and efforts and striving and straining and ultimately never feeling like I'm doing enough to make God happy. And if I was to guess in a room this size, and I'll throw myself in this mix, this is kind of how I grew up at some point. It was like I'm in God's hand, praise God, and his other hand is here, just waiting to flick me in the head the second I make a mistake. Or you have all of these additional rules and regulations and things. And only if you do that are you accepted by God. But the freeing truth is this, is that because of what Jesus has done, we're made right before God, not by what we've done. Because even if we would, even if we could have paid the price for our sin, we wouldn't have. We're selfish. There's no way. But Jesus did for us before we even knew him. He paid the price for us. So the truth is this, is that we're called to be free. Now, we do have some concerns that can arise whenever we talk about being free, because the first thing you can think about is everything that can go wrong. But rest assured, Paul begins to walk us through a, a church, a people, a person guided by the Spirit can live free, but live free in the way God intends to us too. So in Galatians 5, again, I said we're going to spend our time in this. I want you just to note the date and time. We're all ready to chapter 5. So that is just some straight skill. I promise you we will end on time today. But in chapter 5, verse 1, just pause on that first sentence. It is for what? Freedom that Christ has set us free. I mean, just pause on that. You're set free because he wants you free. You're set free because he wants you free. And then I love this line because it's one that hasn't, like you kind of stop there. But Paul says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of, slave, of, of slavery. You can even think of it as by a, by a yoke of obligation that you got to stand firm. Why? Because there's going to be attacks and movements and things going through the church that you're going to have to stand firm and say, that's not what Jesus intended, and I'm not going to live like that. A mentor of mine who I love, Pastor Bob, if you ever met me or talked to me, I bring him up at least once or twice. Uh, he was the first pastor I worked for in the Northwest, like for my first like full-time big, big boy job. And Bob was like a grandpa. Like, I absolutely love Bob. In fact, his grandkids were in our youth group. So that just gives you an idea of the, of the range. But I used to get, and I still do, get very frustrated with what's wrong. And he would always say, show them a better way. 
And this is what we begin to see with Paul. He's upset, but he wants to begin to show you the right way. So Paul, again, says, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Or just insert anything that you feel like you have to do to make God love you more. Christ is of no worth now. Again, I declare every man who lets himself be sir, be circumcised that he is uh, is obligated to obey the whole law you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from christ you have fallen away from what from grace for through the spirit we e we eagerly await for through the spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope for in Christ, there is neither cir- circumcision or uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Then he continues in verse 13, and I'll, I'll pause a- a- after these two. You, my brothers and sisters. And again, I just want to pause. Paul starts off white hot. And then he starts going, but my brothers, my sisters, his love for them, we were called to be free. But do not use that to indulge in the flesh. So don't do what serves you. Do what will serve someone else. Serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. So all of the old is fulfilled in this one. Love your neighbor as yourself. We often, though, do the love the, na- the, na- the neighbor you like as yourself. Uh, we live in a townhouse. I can assure, assure you there are some that are more hard to love. And there's some that you just go, Lord, give me grace, because this is just too much. But that is what Paul was trying to get them to, was walking away, if you will, walking away from the religious obligation and guilt and moving towards a life of being free. Now, what does that look like for us today? And I want to be up front. Graceland as a whole, and Pastor Nathan specifically, and in my knowing of him, feel like does a great great job to not not weigh you all down with obligation. Give if you can. We'd love for you to give, but not you, thou shalt give, and if not, you are cursed, and God's going to hate you, and you need to do this, or you won't be blessed. It's like, calm down. Like, that's not there. Graceland does a great job with that. Or, hey, serve if you can. Like, come on, be a part. We'd love for you to be here. But if you have life stuff, live life. Be there for your kids. Do what you have to do. If you have work, that's work. Like, it's fine. Graceland does a good job. But the issue is, is we can carry our own stuff in. Or we might have just some of this stuff sweeping through the church and the, you, the YouTube clips and the podcasts and the books, sometimes they can slowly begin to chip away at being free. One in specific that comes to mind would be with the health and wealth. Uh, so a gospel of health and wealth that God guarantees, if you're a Christian, you're, gar- you're guaranteed health and you're guaranteed wealth. I'm waiting on both, um, but that is what they say. And do I believe, specifically with health, that God heals? Of course I do. I've been healed. 
clearly not of my speech yet. I've been praying since like the seventh grade, but that's okay, right? It's not always in our timing and not always in our way, right? So I do believe God heals. Pray for it. Ask God. Have faith. Ask him. But the health and wealth side is you have to declare and decree and tell God and point to a text and show him why you deserve it. That's really not a relationship. That's more of a demand. And it also creates the, well, then if I'm not healed, I don't have enough faith. And then it can create in some circles. I've seen it. Unfortunately, they hide sickness. They're afraid to say I'm unwell or I'm sick or I need help. All because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing that then God won't do what they ask. That sounds like a weight and obligation and guilt and shame. I've been on church staffs where you couldn't necessarily say if you were sick. And then the line was, well, then you don't have enough faith. Really? Or I just got sick, right? Like, I mean, sometimes it's simple. Or the wealth side. There can be pastors and preachers and all sorts that really weigh you down with the obligation to give. Now, let me pause before you all give me that, that look. Does God want you to give? Of course. Yes. Yes, but Paul, not under guilt or obligation, not coerced into it or not, not pulled into it by a guarantee of return. This isn't stocks. This isn't, and what it can become is a tax and the joy is gone. Instead of saying, I'm a part of here. I wanna see God move. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna serve. And you know what? I have a bit more to give this month. I'm gonna do it because I believe in what Jesus is doing. Do you know what that does in your heart? Not just the life of the church, freedom. Instead of, oh, where's the checkbook? Let me do 10%, 9% of, well, you know, like, and then it becomes like a tax or it can become a tip. I've spent too long on that. But that is what Paul is trying to say even for us is that that infiltrates the church. And that begins to weigh us down instead of living free and participating in the life of the church, allowing the spirit of God to work and cover you in weaknesses or in areas where you may not have strength or with age, your health begins to fail. That's fine. Walk closely to the shepherd and he will get, get you through. Verse 16 of chapter five says, so I say, Paul says, walk by the spirit and you will not give in to the desires of the flesh, but the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And then Paul gives a wonderful list of acts of the flesh, which are obvious sinful acts. This could also be a lot of like downtown Nashville on Broadway on a Friday night, um, um, <laughs> being sexually immoral, impure, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, or or orgies, and the like. And I chuckle because if Paul's having to write about this, it's occurring. He's like, hey, like that is, no, <laughs> no, don't be free like that. That's not what he intends. And it doesn't mean if you struggle with sin that now you're just, no, 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 invite them in. 
walking in step with the Spirit. He says that I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he gets into the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to just say the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is not something you can fake for long. And it's not something that happens by accident. It's abiding in Christ that the, the fruit, the result of being tied in with Christ is love. It's joy, it's peace, it's forbearance, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is those things. You can fake it for a time, but the authentic result, the fruit, the result of walking with the Spirit, with walking with Christ, He is your shepherd. He's guiding you and helping you to grow. The result is you're going to live with love, you're going to live with joy, not a feeling of ha- of habit, of joy, of peace, of forbearance. You're going to forgive folks that you never would have before on the highway going into work. You'll be kind. I need that more. Goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, self-control. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and with its passions and desires. And I love this line, since we live by the Spirit, Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. You don't have to push down on someone to make yourself look good. You don't have to point at them and say, well, if they served more, life would not be so bad. Or if they had enough faith, they would be healed now. Like, that is not the result of a life in the Spirit. That's not the result of living in a community of faith where you bear each other's burdens together. It's not walking out faith on your own. It's not pursuing riches at the expense of someone else. It's living this out in step with the Spirit. Again, Dr. Baker shared, I just, it's just simple. Spiritual formation is being formed by the Spirit into the image of Christ. That's the goal. It is the Spirit's work in the Spirit's way and in the Spirit's time. The Spirit keeps us free and fruitful. When we draw our life and strength from the Spirit, we are freed from the sinful desires that arise from human weakness. And when we are led by the Spirit, we are freed from the need to earn and perform. There's nothing you can do to to make Jesus love you more. There's nothing you, you can do. He's not going to go, you know what, you read through the the Bible not in a year, but in six months. Gold star. Love them more. Like, that is what it's about. But it might just be taking those simple steps, a rhythm of life that I've had to do just to share is a spiritual discipline I haven't been great at, my wife can attest to, is not always reading the Bible consistently. Doesn't mean I'm not thinking of it, but not consistently. And you can make an excuse. Well, I have to leave for work at six. I can't be up at four. You you know what I'm saying? Like we can make. So what I've just had to do is find a rhythm of life, not out of guilt, not being coerced, but Lord, on my first break, I'm going to go from my floor I'm on down to the fifth floor. I'm going to find this one chair, some songs, and I'm just going to read for a bit. I'm not going to time it. I'm not going to race through. And just Lord, my first break of work is yours. And I just want to reset my mind. I'm dealing with some folks. I want to just smack, and that's not a fruit of the Spirit, you know? 
and then you go about your day and it's not, I got a gold star. If you miss it, that's okay. But it's keeping in step with the spirit. It's investing into your faith. It's being around folks and helping grow. So what, what essentially the Galatians lost was just that. They were being attacked and essentially told that they needed to do, do, do more instead of just surrendering more and just following in an, uh, an honest pursuit of Jesus by the Spirit of God through faith and just accepting his grace that covers a multitude of our sins. You sin, okay, grace for that, move on, invite the Spirit in and keep moving forward. And you know, the more that you just look to Jesus more than your sin or your mistakes or your frustrations, you know, they just slowly dim and they don't become as much of a big deal. And then you go on to the next, and there's always a transforming power that the Spirit is doing in our, our lives, again, because the result is to look like Christ. So we'll, we'll end with Galatians 6, um, where essentially uh, Paul just gives them enc encouragement at the end um, to not grow weary. And that's a trap I think we can all fall into just living in the world the world we're in in a culture of out of out of outrage. It's kind of like you wake up and go, "Okay, who are we mad at today?" Right? Like that's kind of what our world has be be become. But instead it's like, "Lord, what do you have for me today?" And so he just says this. He goes, "Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows." Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap etern etern eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportun opportunity, let, let us do good to all people and especially those who belong to the community of faith so be good to all but especially those in this room love them serve them care for them pray for them carry the burdens of each other but i want to just quickly circle back to seven and eight i have found when i worked with youth to never assume they know what words mean or ideas mean so like to be yoked together, I had a youth once say, is that with an egg? I'm like, good thought, but no, you know, it's like when they would have like a cow to like move through and kind of have a plow, there's two of them and we're yoked to Christ. He's pulling the weight and we're just kind of along for the ride, doing the best that we can, right? And with sowing and raping, if you haven't spent time on, on a farm or have ever watched something online, all Paul is saying here is if you plant seeds of the flesh, you're going to reap destruction. If you plant seeds of the Spirit, of doing what you need to do, of living an obedient life, of, of engaging with the Spirit, of praying, of fasting, of worshiping, of serving, of giving, not out of guilt or obligation but that we get to, you're going to reap eternal life. But I love the, the imagery of it because seeds are small. Seeds are small, and the more you sow, the more you reap. So the more seeds you throw out, some will die, some won't make it, but if you throw out more, you'll get more 
of a harvest and return. And the vice versa is true. If you're sowing so much into the flesh, the destruction will come. And we're praying that that won't. I want to invite uh, the team back back up as I just kind of close. Um, it would be remiss of me to not share, share a quote of an author that I like as well. Um, Dallas Willard, just love his way of thinking. And he says, the main thing God gets out of your life is not the achievements you accomplish, it's the person you become. It's not the achievements you do. There's very few tombstones that have a list like a LinkedIn, you know, of a profile of all the things you've done. CEO of blah, blah, blah. Raise blah, blah, blah. Four, 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 a 1K, 5.2. You know, like nobody cares. It's who you become. And I think that for us, it's not achieving more, it's becoming more. It's becoming more like Christ. And so I'm going to pray and just kind of um, in your seat, respond. I think that's one of the best spots to. Um, but just praying for those in the room that maybe you've been tied down with weight of religious obligation. I'm just praying you would look to Christ. You'd follow him and you would just ask him, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Lord, I want this to be a joy. I want this to flow out of a heart of thankfulness and joy. Or maybe you've been using how free you are for your own gain. And Lord, I don't want to just do it for myself. Lord, I want to humbly serve one another. Or maybe you've never accepted Christ. And now is the time. Just confess your sins. Have faith in what Jesus has done, that he's paid the price and accepting that free gift of grace. It's not a uh, recital of a prayer. It's a, it's a position of the heart and saying, Lord, I've been wrong. I've been going the wrong way. And maybe you were doing well and you need to repent. That's a good thing. That's a good, good thing. So, Lord, we are here. And, Lord, we love you. Lord, you desire. Lord, it is, you set us free so we can be free. Lord, free in you, free to serve each other. And, Lord, not to be weighed down, Lord, by this obligation and guilt as we see this or this church in Galatia had to start to fight against. So, Lord, we want to be free. So, Lord, I pray for those or that have just felt like giving is like a tax and serving is a burden. And, Lord, attending a church is just, it's just too much. Or, or all of these things is just work. Lord, I pray you would restore to us the joy. Lord, what began in the Spirit, Lord, let us continue to walk in the Spirit until the end of our life. Lord, work in us. Lord, create in us a new heart. Lord, show us any ways, Lord, we have sinned or we've missed the mark. And Lord, we will gladly take your correction because you love us. We're your kids. You care for us. You have our best intention at heart. And Lord, I pray for those here, Lord, that maybe have just kind of slipped away or maybe have never come to you yet, Lord, just to repent. Maybe they feel like they're too far gone or they have to fix themselves first or deal with, Lord, you deal with it with us. Lord, we come to you exactly as we are, broken, ashamed, scared, shaking, messed up, and just, Lord, just a wreck. And Lord, you are the one by your spirit and your grace for your glory, Lord, you transform us. Lord, we love you. Lord, let Graceland be marked as a church full of the Spirit, full of love, 
and of being free. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. There are so many believers still walking around with the weight of this word. I know I did for many years. But let me tell you, when you get into that secret place and you chase after your Savior like your life depends on it, because it does. When we are walking in and by the Spirit, it's not about what we can't do, but it is about joy in what we can do. And there's freedom in that. Beyond words that could ever be expressed, there's freedom. Thank you, Brian, for the powerful word that you brought us today. I'm going to read this benediction over us this morning, and then we'll be dismissed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Have a great week. We love you very much.